Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you, and thanks again for being here, especially if you're a guest with us. Uh, my name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and we're just so glad that you joined us this morning. Uh, and those that are watching online, welcome as well, wherever you're at in the United States or around the world. We're so glad you're tuning in with us. Um, if we hadn't had a chance to meet you, I would love uh, that opportunity right after the service through these doors, uh, just to shake your hand and thank you for being here today. And uh, not just me, um, but also our teaching pastor, John Crawl, is also here this morning, and he's in our service with us. <laughs> Welcome home. It's good to have you back. And uh, so he'll be out there with me as well, and we'd love just to uh, connect with you that way. Uh, We're starting a brand new sermon series today as this first Sunday of June kicks off called Icons of Influence. And we look at these five major players in the Bible, uh, the scriptures where there's extensively things, there's extensive things written about them and just their interaction with God. And uh, we're going to look at how God continued to keep his hand of mercy and grace upon each and every one of them. And that's the most important thing because we're going to look at their faults and their failures, but we're going to see how each and every time it was God who brought them back to himself and worked his perfect plan, his mission for their, for their lives in and through each and every one of them. And uh, you might have noticed uh, that we have some uh, bitmojis, if you didn't know what those are. Do you, how many of you know what a bitmoji is? Wow, I just learned this this week, just so you know. So uh, the communications department helped me out, and so they did an amazing job. Um, Abraham, he's rocking that man bun, you see that? And uh, (laughs) Moses with the beard, David with the crown. They just did an amazing job, and so they said, well, we did them for these guys. Maybe we should do one for you. So they made this little thing for me here. (laughs) Right, so... A carbon copy, right? It's like spinning image, uh, you know. Uh, so if you want to join in on the fun for the next five weeks, you just go whatever phone you have. You can go to the Bit, it's Bitmoji app, download it, and create one, and put it on your social media platform, and uh, that'll be kind of fun if we can do that together. Or if you want to do it during my sermon, I'm not going to know. So you could do it that way as well. Uh, the other thing that we wanted to introduce you to uh, this morning as well is our Summer Worship Challenge. Now, we know we talk about this a lot here, that we do live in Michigan, right? And we just had a really, you know, tough winter, and then the spring was pretty much rain every single day. Uh, and we're all eager for summer, and summer is the time of vacations. It's time for getting away. It's time for relaxing uh, with family and friends. And so we came up with this idea of what if we challenged our congregation to be in worship each and every Sunday from June, July, and August? Think we could do that? I, that was a little bit mixed this morning. <laughs> here's the caveat. Here, here, here's how we're going to do this, because I'll be honest, I won't be in church next week, okay? <laughs> so I get to check June 2nd, but then the church camping group, it's one of our biggest camping weekends, is actually next weekend we're going to be together with a lot of really awesome families from Shepherd's Gate that actually like camping and tents and campers and all that stuff. Uh, but this is how we're going to do this, is that if you're not here physically, that you'll commit to live streaming or watching the recording of the service sometime that day or throughout the week. Now, if we all commit to that, I think we can make it through the summer and never, ever miss a worship service. You think we can do that? All right, good. 
So much so that we're going to mail this card to your house. It looks just like this with these little check boxes, right? So put this on your fridge, attach it to your forehead, whatever it is that you're going to need to be able to walk through this together as a church. And let's just commit to being in worship, being with our church family here at Shepherd's Gate. And uh, those of you that we've gotten the feedback on that you love, that we give you the scriptures in advance, on the back are all the scriptures that we're going to be walking through this summer. So you can come prepared, have read the scriptures before we even preach on them. So we're excited about that as well. So today, uh, we're going to be looking at this guy, Abraham. And uh, in the Old Testament, uh, we're introduced to him in uh, Genesis. In fact, right at the very beginning of Genesis. And his name's actually Abram before God changes it to Abraham. And this guy is definitely a major player in the Bible. This guy is definitely an icon of influence. But I want to start out by asking you this. How many of you, you know somebody who really enjoys change? Like, they love when things change, they love when things move, they like taking on new adventures, they like, you know, just coming up with, with different ways of doing things, and so they are really just change agents. Like, they live and breathe. Every morning they wake up, they can't wait to tweak something else or to change somebody else. Any of you, you know somebody like that, right? Now, how many of you, that's you? Go ahead and raise your hand, because that, that's me. Like, I am an obsessive tweaker. Just imagine how much I drive the staff crazy around here, Right? There's always something that we can tweak. Now, maybe you're on the opposite end of the spectrum. Maybe you don't really like change. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you have worked really, really, really hard to get everything lined up just the way you want it. In fact, you eat breakfast at the same time every day. You eat lunch at the same time every day. You eat dinner at the same time every day. You wear the same clothes or the same types of clothes. You go to the same restaurants. I mean, you have your routine, right? Like when you came here today, you parked in the same exact parking spot you, you park in. <laughs> or maybe you came early to make sure that you were seated in your seat, because this is the 10 o'clock service and that's definitely your seat, right? How many of you, you know, you, you, you just say that's you, just admit it, right? You, you don't like change. Now see that? Maybe a few, some of you, you come on, we're, we're having communion later, so you might as well start confessing now, okay? <laughs> Get it out. But that's how it is. But here, here's the crazy part. You go to the Bible and you read story after story, these accounts, these real life accounts of these real people that, that go through circumstances like you and I. And every single time, God is changing them. And he's not just changing their heart. He's not just calling them to faith. He's changing uh, their circumstances and he's even calling them to greater things. And, and so often for us, you know, we like our systems. We like things in, in the way that they are. But here's God's promise for us. This is when God calls us out of our current state into something new, it's always for the better. It's always for the better. It doesn't mean it's easier. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be trials and circumstances. It doesn't mean there's not going to be, you know, pitfalls along the way. But it's always for the better. And it's God cultivating his plan in our hearts, in our lives. So maybe you're here this morning and you're in a job and you're frustrated at the job. In fact, you hate going to work and the Holy Spirit is cultivating something into you where you know you need to step out in faith and the only reason you're not stepping out in faith is because you're worried about the security that the job that you have provides for you. But yet God is going to promise you to take care of you and to go on this journey with you and to be able to help you in that. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a toxic relationship. 
And maybe you went into the relationship thinking you could fix the other person or change the other person, but you've been with this person so long and you've been in this relationship for so long and even though everybody around you is telling you, hey, it's not good for you to be in this relationship anymore, you won't break out of it because of fear and because of trust in God that maybe he has something better for you. Maybe there's a better relationship for you. And think about this. Think about where you live, right? Do you enjoy your home? Do you enjoy the community that you're in? And maybe just maybe God's stirring something in your heart, in your life, that he wants you to move to a different community. Maybe God would even transport you and move you to another state. Let's say Kansas, right? (laughs) These people are leaving for Kansas and I don't want them to leave if they're going to Kansas, so that was for them. But anyways, they're from Kansas, but that's okay, they can go home. But sometimes God calls you to places like Kansas or California or Texas or whatever that may be, God would cultivate that and stir that in your heart and your life because he has something better for you. And that's what we're going to see today as we walk through the life of Abram. And just as Christian said, there is so much in scripture on this guy, Abram and Abraham, uh, that there's no way we'll be able to cover it this morning. So if you want to go deeper into this, I encourage you, go to the Bible study that we have on Sunday morning all summer long where each and every week they'll go deeper into these texts. But I want to encourage you to grab one of the chair Bibles that's right in front of you. If you're in the front row, it's underneath the seat. We're going to turn to page Page 8, right at the very beginning, Genesis, chapter 12, page 8. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, will you do us a favor and make sure you take the Bible that you're holding now home with you? That is the greatest gift our church believes that we can give you, so we want you to take that Bible home. We just got four new cases in, so Ron Drosty will load them up again as as they leave here, and so we're so excited about all the Bibles that keep leaving out of our Sunday morning services. So Genesis chapter 12, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go. Stop there. How many of you, when you hear God tell you, go, you don't get excited? In fact, you get anxious and you worry and you begin to fear because this is just him calling out to Abraham. This is just him telling him what to do. And so he says to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. See, now this is a time period that was 2,000 years before Christ. We're in B.C. right here. And so in this time period, the land and family were the two most important things to an individual and to a family. You see, your land was all of your assets. That was your livelihood. That's everything that you owned and that you possessed was within that land. And your family was your identity. And here God just shows up on the scene with Abram, and he tells him not only to leave the land that that is his safety net, that is his security, but he's also telling him simultaneously to leave his family and his identity. I mean, this is a huge call from God. And I think it's interesting that in order to understand what God is calling us to do, you first have to hear the call of God. But I wonder in our lives if we've gotten ourselves too busy if we're just constantly running from one place to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, that we never stop long enough to actually hear the call of God. And we look at our circumstances and we're frustrated in the circumstances that we're in, but part of it is because we're not just taking time to pray to God, to listen for the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to get into God's word and let God's word guide us into what he ultimately has for us. And so if you're frustrated this morning, if you feel like you're stuck this morning, if you feel like you're spinning your wheels this morning, could I encourage you? Spend time with God. 
Maybe you need to cut some things back out of your life. Maybe you need to create some margin so you can take a deep breath and just get before the Lord and listen to what he would have for you. This is what God continued to say to Abram. He said, I will make you a great nation. Not just a great family. He's going to make him a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Think about that as it plays out with our 2019 theme, Own Your Influence, right? From God to us, to others. He does the same thing with Abram. He says, Abram, own your influence. And what I'm about to do in your life is not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I mean, you can imagine just him listening to this and, and trying to process this and, and trying to figure out, okay, God, why is it that you're calling me to this? Why am I the one that's been assigned to take on this task? And here's the reality for Abram, just as it's the reality for you and I. We have a decision to make, right? God calls him. He hears the call. He understands the blessings that are attached to this call, and not just this blessing, but God's going to promise him that he and his wife are actually going to have a child. And they're later on in years, she's been barren their entire marriage, and so they've just kind of given up on the fact that they're ever going to have kids. And so later on in Scripture, he actually promises them that they're going to have a child. And this is how Abram responds. He went. He did as the Lord had told him. He stepped out in faith. He responded in obedience to the call of God on his life. And not only did he go, Lot went with him. Now, I want you to think about this. Abram was 75 years old. Amen. Let that just marinate for a moment here. I want you to say this with me so that we get it. Will you say 75 with me? 75, 75 right? Because oftentimes we read scriptures, we think all these people are 20 years old. Well, this is what you do with a 20-year-old, right? Abram's 20, he's got a cool man bun, and so at 20 years old, what you do is you have him, you know, figure out his call on life, and then later on he can retire and live in Florida and do all the fun things that you do when you're 70. No, here he is, 75 years old, and he's packing up his family and his wife and everything he owns, and he's being obedient to God. And so I'm not going to ask you guys for your ages this morning, right? Who's above 75? Who's below 75? But if you're discouraged or if you think that God is done with you, understand God's call on your life may just be beginning. He may have a future for you that you can't even comprehend. So he doesn't want to unveil the whole package to you because he thinks he'll just you know, blow your mind. So he's just going to call you by faith. And as you step out, he's going to open doors of opportunities you never even thought were possible. Remember, he's 75 years old. And so he takes his wife, he takes his brother's son, he takes all the possessions they had gathered, and they go out and they head for the land of Cana. And they come to the land, he passes by, he sees all of this stuff, and what does God do? I love this. He repeats himself. God repeats himself to Abram. He repeats the promise, to your offspring, I will give this land. And Abram builds an altar to God. What's so interesting is as you look at this and as you read this, you, you, you know, so often we might think, okay, well, this makes sense because maybe Abram was a man of faith. And maybe for 70 years of his life, he's been walking faithfully with God. And he's been, you know, just doing everything he can. There's another guy in the Bible that, that sometimes gets confused with him, right? Noah, that was Noah, the guy that just continued to walk with God. And God told him to build the ark, and so he did as he was supposed to do. But Abram actually didn't grow up in a home connected to God. 
In fact, he grew up in a pagan home worshiping false gods, and we learn about this in Joshua chapter 24. Joshua was the one that said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived, and the father of Abraham and of Nahor, Abraham's brother, they served other gods. He was born into and he was living in a pagan home. In fact, there was a time when they had all of these gods and families were known to have their own gods, so each family unit would have two or three gods that they would try to please and worship, very similar to Hinduism today. And so here he is, like this is like the start of his whole journey, of his whole faith journey with God. And for some reason, God calls him and he answers the call of God. So there's a lot of things at play here. But this is what I love about our God, is that when he calls us, when we step out in faith, he continues to confirm the call in our life. Maybe you ask, maybe you want to ask this morning, well, how do you know if if this is really what I'm supposed to do? How, How do I know if this is really the direction that God has for me? And I would encourage you, pray. Pray about it. Get godly people around you in your life to speak into you, to say, is this really what it is that you have for me? And step out in faith and try it. You know, I don't understand in our society, we're so afraid to try things now. And so step out in faith and try it and see what it is that God would speak to your heart, to speak to your life. And if it doesn't work out, if that maybe isn't what the confirmed over and over again, then maybe you're supposed to change directions and go in a different direction. If you were here for Mother's Day, you might remember our family director, Tricia Mayhew's testimony. Do you remember what she talked about, about how she's been a church worker her whole life, right? And, and so often people just have that small whisper of God in their heart, or maybe they just sense the stirring of the Holy Spirit, and so they're able to, you know, make these decisions. But for her, she needs a train that's honking its horn going 400 miles an hour, right, to get her attention. She needs, like, spotlights and fireworks, right? Some of us are like that. We need God to really tell us this is what the direction is for our lives. And if you remember, she had three different churches from Michigan. There she is in Texas. She had three different churches from Michigan all extend her calls. God was making it obvious to her and her family. God was confirming it over and over and over again in his life. And that's his promise for you. That's what he'll continue to do in your life. And I think one of the hardest things, honestly, to do in our society sometimes is actually to join a church. Did you know that? that when you switch from one community of faith to another, I mean, that's a big leap. I mean, it's, it's hard to get sometimes integrated in the church, and we do our best to make sure everyone feels warm and welcomed here. And I'm excited to tell you that today at 1130, we're going to be receiving more people into our family here at Shepherd's Gate, people that are stepping out in faith, people that have prayed about it and feel that God is calling them to be part of our community. And I want you to see this. Our discovery class, which is our new member class that we had just a little while ago, that that represents 23 people, right? 23 Abrams that make up 12 households. Former members who who were part of Shepherd's Gate in the past and now God has stirred on their heart to come back and be part of the movement that God is doing here. Two couples that we're so excited to have be part of this journey. And then our friends from Living Hope of the Bay, you guys know we've been talking about this for a while, a church that unfortunately had to close its doors and we opened our doors to them and said, hey, pray about whether God would have you be part of our church. And so 19 people, 12 households from Living Hope of the Bay for a total of 46 individuals, 26 households, they're gonna become part of our church today during our 1130 service. Isn't that awesome? And I can tell you it's for two reasons. Number one, because of God And number two, because of all of you and the warmth that you display and the way that you open your hearts and your lives to every single person 
that walks through our doors. This is what the text continues in verse 10. It says this, Now there was a famine in the land, and so Abram went down to Egypt, right? They're, they're out of food, and it was so severe that they didn't know what to do. So he was about to enter Egypt. And now look at, look at this. He says to his wife, Sarah, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, which every woman wants to hear that from their husband, right? And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Odd, right? A little odd. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. For some reason, the culture at this time, and, and, and just his fear for his own life and wanting to provide for his family, he comes up with this white lie. This little white lie. Hey, if we just go and we tell them this, and we say you're my sister, and then you know, they're not going to kill me, and they're not going to try to take you, or any of that stuff, we're just there to get food because there's a famine, and then we can get it, and we can get out, and we can go back to our land and where God has relocated us. But that's not what happens. Let's continue reading in verse 14. It says, Abram entered Egypt, and the Egyptians saw that she was beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And so he gave him sheep and ox and donkeys and servants and even camels. See, what happens is she ended up actually becoming one of Pharaoh's wife because he lied and said it was his sister. And then somehow in this crazy ordeal, Abram actually ends up getting all of this stuff to help him get through this famine. This little white lie and, and the trajectory that this changed in their life and in their relationship and in what God had called them to do. In fact, Abram's trust turned to mistrust. Here's where it's at. You, you, you hear the call of God and you step out in faith and you begin to, to walk in the way that God has for you and then hardships come in. And trials and circumstances come in and we begin to doubt God. We begin to, to wonder, is he still there? And so rather than waiting for God, rather than being patient on God, we get ahead of God and sometimes we say things and sometimes we do things that we shouldn't do. And you might look at this account and you might go, this is so bizarre. Certainly this could never happen in our day and age, right? We would never commit something this heinous of a sin, Right? until you start thinking about your life, until you start thinking back to your childhood, right? When maybe you were like me and you did things you never thought you would ever do and when people asked you, why did you do that? And you just said, I have no idea. I have no idea why I did this. Or maybe for you it was junior high or high school or those college years when you said, I will never do this. I'll never cross this line. I'll never commit this sin. And then all of a sudden you find out that you actually did do it. Maybe it was the night that you had one too many drinks and you made a decision and you were compelled into a, a course of action that you never thought you would ever do. But it was based on another decision that you made to have one too many drinks. Think about it. We're all sinners. I'm sinner. I screw up all the time. I don't do things that I should do. You know this. I tell you this all the time. There are times in our lives when we just got to be real and honest and open about the brokenness of our lives, and so often the tendency to want to get ahead of God. And what is it that God requires of us? To own it. To own our failures, to own our sins, to confess the things in our hearts and our lives. In fact, the Lord actually afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues. 
And so Pharaoh calls Abram in. He says, what have you done to me? Why did you not tell me, or why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she was your sister, that I took her for my wife? And then what does he do? He gives her back. Here, you can have her back. Take her. She's yours. I don't want to deal with these plagues anymore, right? He had way too many wives as it was anyways, and he just knew that something was going on here in this situation. And so here you read in this text just the, just the struggle that must have taken place in their marriage. Imagine that, you know, camel ride home, right? <laughs> imagine the conversation that ensued, but honestly, imagine the counseling or the sessions or whatever the heck they had. Imagine just what had to take place for this marriage to be reconciled because God's promise of a child was still on their hearts and on their minds. God's promise about coming through to his promises and giving them the land of Canaan and being able to do this and that Abraham's seed was the one that's going to bless the whole earth and this would be the line from Abraham all the way to Jesus, from Jesus all the way to us that would connect us to him. But what happens? They go home. They reconcile their marriage. They still aren't having kids. And she gets ahead of God. She finds one of their servants, whose name is Hagar, and she says to Abram, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Right? I'm giving up on the promises of God. Go into my servant. May it be that she'll obtain a child by her. And then Abram, very similar to this guy named Adam in Genesis. Remember that guy just a few chapters earlier in our, in our Bibles this morning? What did he do? He listened to the voice of his wife. Which in all fairness to Abram, right? After his little faux pas, let's call it, with the Egyptians, I'm sure he was in a situation that he needed to like listen to what his wife said, right? But now what do we see? We see her entering into this. We see her once again falling to the temptations that we so often fall to, that the devil puts out there for us, that we can't trust God and that God's still not working on our behalf. In fact, because of this, they ended up having a child, or he ended up having a child with, um, with the servant. But then it says, Abram, knowing that the promise of God for this child is still in his heart and his life, he falls on his face, he laughs, he says, shall a child be born to a man? Think about this, he's now 100 years old. Right? He's 100 years old. But here's the thing, back then people lived a little bit longer. His dad actually had, or his mom actually had him. His, his dad was 70 year old. Let me put it this way. Abram's dad was 70 years old when Abram was born, and he was the first of three sons. So 100's not too far off, right? It's only 30 years later. And Abram's dad actually lived to 205 years old. But here he is, he's 100. Sarah is 90. And Sarah laughed to herself too, and she said, I'm worn out. I'm old. And he says, and God says to Abram, Abraham, Sarah, why are you laughing? Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? And then the Lord says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Man, how many of us have struggled with that, right? Holding on to the promise that we know God has given us. Holding on to the promise that we know that God has put in our hearts and our lives and maybe this morning you need to be reminded of that. Is anything too hard 
for the Lord? And the answer is absolutely not. He is gonna continue to cultivate his purpose and his plan in your life and at my life. And then he was so gracious to not only tell them that nothing is impossible for the Lord, he even gives them a timeline. He says, at the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year. And guess what? Sarah shall have a son which is exactly what took place. God performed the miracle. God worked in their hearts and their lives. And he did what he promised from the very beginning, even through their mistrust, even through that. And here's the amazing part, as you continue to read through Genesis, you continue to read through Abraham and his life story, you see how God continued to cultivate faith in his heart and his life. And did he get it right each and every time? No. Are there other times that he, fall, that he failed and struggled? Yes. But each and every time, God picked him up and he put him back on the path that he had for him and he headed him in the right direction and he kept charging forward. So much so that a guy named Paul in the New Testament, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years after this took place, a guy who was very versed in the scriptures, a guy who would have known everything there is to know in the Old Testament about Abraham, Abraham wrote these words in, in the book of Romans and also in Hebrews, because most people think that Paul wrote Hebrews to a Hebrew audience. This is what he said. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he would, was to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised They're now in this list, in this lineup of Hebrews, of all the heroes of the faith, the icons of influence, these people that followed the Lord and that God did a work in their heart and their life. In fact, in Romans, this is how Paul wrote it. He said, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. And here's the key this morning, right? We're gonna land on this. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Because here's the truth for you and for me this morning, is that our faith life is a step-by-step process. It's a continual working of the Holy Spirit in your heart and my heart. And thanks be to God, God never lets go of our hands. God never stops working his perfect mission and vision and purpose in each and every one of our lives. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you're discouraged, maybe you're dismayed, maybe you don't know where to turn to next, here's what I would encourage you to do. Turn to God. Get on your knees. Sometimes we need to change our postures. Get on your knees and cry out to God. Maybe you need to go into a time of fasting where you just spend time that you would normally spend even eating in God's word and praying and asking God to guide your heart and your life because this I can guarantee you, he sent Jesus for you and he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins that you and I could have life and have it to the full and he's not done changing any heart or any life or any future in this room this morning. So be encouraged. Be encouraged today by the God that loves you and is gonna continue to work out his plan in your life. Amen? As I said at the beginning, we have the opportunity to receive Holy Communion, which is something we do here frequently at Shepherd's Gate and if you're a guest, the communion guidelines are gonna come on the screens. You're certainly welcome to read that but Part of this process is that we're honest and open before God, that we would confess the things that have kept us from him, the times when we have misplaced our trust in him, 
And so we're going to bow our heads, we're going to close our eyes, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. So will you do that with me, church, this morning? Bow our heads and close our eyes. And Heavenly Father, we look to you this morning that you would call up those things in our lives, the things that we're still holding on to, the things that we're still trying to control. And God, in this moment, in this time, we confess our sins to you. Church, this morning, your God has heard your confession. And because of who Jesus Christ is and because of what he has done on the cross for us, he forgives you of all of your sins. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we do indeed give you praise that you can move the mountains in our lives that you can speak your truth, your grace. God, we thank you for what you have just given us in Holy Communion, your very body and blood, for the forgiveness of our sins, for the nourishing of our faith. And so God, may each and every person that leaves here today know that you go with us and that you're gonna continue to cultivate your plan and purpose in our lives. God, we thank you that we are a family here at Shepherd's Gate, that we can bring up the prayer request of those in our church that need a special touch, a divine touch from you. So God, this morning we pray for Lindsay McLaughlin who was rushed to the hospital on May 22nd with a badly infected spinal cord stimulator and that God, if she would have waited one more day, she would have either been paralyzed or have died. And we pray and we thank you for keeping your hand upon her, for watching over her and God, even now as she's in the hospital and they're still trying to figure things out, would you give the doctors wisdom and guidance but most importantly, God, that you would bring healing to her. God, we lift up as a church Colson Scolis, the son of Brooke and Jake Scolis, the grandson of Janice and Tom Connolly, who was born April 1st at 32 weeks with a heart defect. God, we thank you that you are watching over him at the University of Michigan Hospital and that Pastor Craig was able to be there and do an emergency baptism on April 9th. But God, we are so grateful to announce this morning that he came home just this weekend. And so we just pray, God, as his parents enter this new reality, that you're going to give them wisdom and guidance, that you're going to walk alongside them and continue to pour out your, your mercy and your grace upon young Colson. God, we also lift up Nina Sadowski to you, who was involved in a, in a very serious car accident on May 24th. So much so, the first responders had to use the jaws of life to get her out of the car. And she's been hospitalized and in critical condition since. The fact that she suffered multiple broken bones, internal injuries, and she's already undergone six surgeries. God, a sister in our church, but we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that she opened her eyes for the first time this past Friday. God, we give you praise that you're working in her life. And so, God, we know she's got a huge road ahead of her. We know there's more mountains in her life that you need to remove. So be with her, be with her husband, Mark, be with their son and all of their family. God, this morning we also lift up Ellen Carter to you who's been fighting cancer since 2011 and all of these different things that are taking place in her life. And God, would you just move in a powerful way that it, enough is enough. God, heal her completely from this. God, wipe this out of her body. Continue to be with her husband David and their boys and their family that have surrounded him that are walking this journey with them and provide the healing that only you can provide. God, we also pray for Jim Niza, who's also battling cancer. 
And this last year and a half, God, all the things that he's undergone, we thank you for the advancement and treatments, and we just pray, God, continue to work through those means, but also, God, your healing hand upon him. We also lift up Duncan Nichols, a young man in our congregation in his 20s, that they can't figure out what's going on. They think it may be Crohn's disease, all the time that he's spent in the hospital, the weight that he's lost, and God, now thankful that he's home. But we do pray once again, God, for your healing hand to move, for you to do what only you can do. We pray for those also in our congregation, for Brian Benning. We're thankful that he was able to be with us the last couple of Sundays in church. We pray for Terry Figures. We're thankful that all the cancer was able to get removed from his body. We pray healing for Paul Garland. And we pray for Tom Shippard and Michael Lean Shippard who faithfully watch this service each and every week and the opportunity they have to, to be part of this church via live stream. May they know that they are loved by this church and that, that our prayers are with them. And finally this morning, God, we're so grateful for what you're gonna do in the next service as these people become part of our family here, especially as we witness the baptism of Nicole Lee McBurney and her daughter, Riker Lee McBurney, the way that you have moved in their hearts and their lives. And so, God, we know it's going to be a special moment in just a few moments here as we switch to another service. So, God, watch over all those who are becoming part of our family. Help us to open our hearts and our lives and our parking spaces and our seats to them. And whatever else you would have us to do as a church, we want to be open and honest to you and your leading. So, God, we just, once again, we love you and we thank you. It's in your son's most holy and precious name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. And now may this true body and true blood of our Lord and Savior, may it strengthen you and preserve you and keep you in the one true faith until life everlasting, amen. Receive the blessing of our Lord this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. And we hope, again, that you'll stick around and join us in the fellowship hall. We have free cookies and coffee out there. I'll be out there right outside these doors. Hopefully, John's, did John already leave? John's already out there? All right, so if you want to see John, don't go west, go east. All right, so God bless. We'll see you here next week. Christian is preaching, so it's a no-miss Sunday, all right?